0: Welcome to Urban Planning is Not Boring. I'm Sam. And I'm Nat. All right. Welcome back to Urban Planning is Not Boring. We have another very exciting guest this week on the podcast. We want to welcome Brittany Simmons to the pod. um, And we are so excited to have her on to chat a little bit about being um, a planner and content creation. That's kind of how we found uh, you, Brittany, is on TikTok. We saw your um, content that was kind of both just kind of day in the life and then also specific to urban planning and how those topics and um, the field kind of permeates into daily life in a way that a lot of people might not recognize. And so we are so excited to have you on to chat just both about your day-to-day and about um, kind of using places like Instagram and TikTok to to talk about topics like urban planning. Um, So I don't know if you want to give a quick introduction about yourself. And then we always like to ask um, folks who come on kind of how they came to find urban planning, as it seems like no one's path is really quite the same, and so we'd love to hear a little bit about how you kind of came to find planning as a passion and as a career, if if those are kind of different or intertwined.
1: Totally. Uh, well, hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with the both of you um, and here on the pod, as you said. <laughs> um, I'm Brittany Simmons. I'm an urban planner by study and practice i'm originally from michigan currently living in new york city Um, i work for an urban planning and economic development consulting firm and i post a lot about urban planning and related topics on the internet Um, so uh as you said no one has a linear path (laughs) to planning unless maybe their like mom was an urban planner or something um but i too fell into it by chance i can't say like oh, I wanted to be an urban planner since I was six. uh, I didn't know that it existed, Um, but I went to U of M for undergrad, uh, the University of Michigan for undergrad, where I did a program that was based in Detroit and I was taking classes about uh, the city's history and its culture, volunteering, um, and interning with a community-based nonprofit. So that was my intro to planning and then Once I started interacting and thinking about cities in that way and kind of formed a relationship with it in that way, I just kept going and ended up pursuing a minor in urban studies. Ended up writing my thesis about cities and then applying to get my MERP Uh, and then I graduated from grad school in 2020 and I moved to New York and that's where I've been since.
2: That's amazing. And yes, I we always love to hear everybody's kind of path into planning because it's never quite the same. So that's very interesting. And it seems that um, you had kind of mentioned that you're now based in New York City. And Sam and I often, when we're meeting with guests or when we're talking about you know, certain issues, we tend to focus on Los Angeles, because that's just that's where Sam and I are located. That's where our education kind of has a focus. Um, But you are based in New York City, which is quite different from Los Angeles in many, many ways. Um, So what would you say are some of the biggest issues that you face as a planner in New York City?
1: Very different. (laughs) Um, So yeah, someone living in New York, I feel like the biggest issues are always around housing, Uh, just because there is a housing crisis, which, you know, is in a lot of places, but I think it feels particularly pertinent um, in New York right now. Um, So a a general need for creating more low and middle income housing. And then I guess if you were to like come away from housing, but it also kind of falls under what I'm about to say is like quality of life concerns or issues, like ongoing questions of affordability and access that stretch beyond housing so food access transportation access um those kinds of things so i guess overall quality of life but then like breaking it down housing food transportation access
0: yeah and i think it's really interesting because obviously la is such a place that was built on sprawl and so when we talk about these issues of housing in california and in la specifically i feel like There's kind of a lot of opportunity to develop like new transit oriented development because like we're, you know, increasing our transit systems slowly but surely and trying to center developments around those kind of new and existing infrastructure, whereas in in the limited times that I have been to New York and spent time, like obviously New York is a city that was much more built around an existing transit system. And so I'm kind of curious because LA is so sprawling, it seems like we might have more like space to build housing, if that makes sense. So if the kind of issues, um. Obviously, affordability is a big thing. And so that's just like increasing tenant protections, increasing the stock of affordable housing. But in terms of building new housing, if that, if there's like a big push for like building up and like increasing density because New York is already so dense, like I'm curious kind of how the housing infrastructure looks in terms of increasing the housing stock.
1: So I know the governor has put forth like some new policy that's already getting really mixed reviews from Mm. um, more suburban areas in New York state. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, And so I think the requirement is like every three years, they would have to increase their housing stock by, it would be no more than 50 homes per, like city or, or township okay. or whatever geography, like level of geography we're looking at. So it's mm-hmm. like a relatively small amount of like increase, but mm-hmm. there's already been so much pushback from various communities across the state. Um, so it's like definitely at the front of folks' minds, like from a individual perspective, also from the government, but there is just like a lot of pushback in terms of like what people are ready to, except like exclusionary zoning comes up all the time. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, we definitely have our fair share of NIMBYs and people who are not willing to kind of stray from this single use, single family zone. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something that we see in LA as
1: well.
2: Yeah. We have a very similar, well, not very similar, but we've had a similar policy here in the state of California, which is RENA, and Sam and I have talked about that, where we have like a set number of units that need to be built in a cycle of eight years. And constantly when those RENA numbers come out each cycle, we get a lot of of lashback from a lot of more suburban areas that say, you know, oh, we don't have the space to accommodate this or you know, we don't want to, but it's very clearly that they just don't want like certain kinds of housing typologies in their neighborhoods. And so we deal with that struggle pretty regularly here in the state of California as well. Um, But we kind of want to jump into discussing with you the kind of content creation that you have, um, you have started. And you know, as Sam mentioned, we had we had found you on TikTok, and so we're kind of curious as to what inspired you to start creating content about urban planning on TikTok, and essentially how you got started doing that.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I originally did not intend to start posting about my work or my job <laughs> um, on the internet. Uh, at first, it was like I was seeing what was being posted on the app, which was mostly like things to do on the weekend or like recommendations for favorite restaurants. And I was like, Oh, I'll do that. That sounds fun. Uh, and then I randomly like asked, do you know what an urban planner is or do you know what urban planning is? And since then I haven't stopped making videos about the field, my work, the realities and impacts of planning, lots of jokes and memes too, just to kind of like shake it up a little bit. Um, but I think once seeing that, I wasn't the only one who didn't know what planning was and that a lot of people didn't know what planning was and that there were people who were interested, but just didn't know. It felt like a great. Like way to use that.
0: Yeah. And I think we kind of have maybe like a similar, like origin story for lack of a better term of like, we had seen, we had felt like there was kind of this gap of, there was definitely an interest in these topics, but maybe folks just didn't know to like put a name to what they were kind of experiencing or seeing. And so that's kind of why we wanted to start, you know, making it some, sort. we had, Natalie and I had talked a lot about like what the options are kind of for what we wanted, for what we felt like was needed or where we felt we could fill a gap. And so we ultimately landed on a podcast, but yeah, I think that there is like this big disconnect of, oh, well, I'm experiencing these things in my day-to-day, but I don't really know what that is and how I can change things. And so I think, you know, integrating that kind of stuff into that mainstream of, you know, TikTok and Instagram and all these platforms is super, super important. Um just so that we have, you know, a new kind of new generation, quote, for of planners that are coming in that are passionate and, you know, know about the field. And so I think, you know, it would be great if we could kind of talk about, like, how social media and, like, particularly TikTok and Instagram in these kind of shorter form, I guess, apps, like where you can have short videos that you know, can keep people's attention spans can be used to really raise awareness and engage people in urban planning issues.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think TikTok is particularly a great platform because you have so many different types of people varying in like their age, location, their interests who stumble across content that may at that moment feel really random, but there's usually some rhyme or reason why a certain piece of content comes across your For You page, uh, because you take you may take some interest in whatever that piece of content is. Um, and so even if you can't put a name to what it is, in this case, I'm planning, TikTok already knows. Um, but I get a lot of comments from people saying things like, I've never heard of planning before. Like, this is so interesting what can I do to get involved or what can I do to get where you are in your career Um, so one like TikTok's making it a bit more accessible um, it being urban planning in this case Um, and like I said before I didn't know what urban planning was until I was halfway through college which I think is so weird because you don't need experience in urban planning to know what it is or to have opinions about it but you don't know that it exists as a as a field so you don't really get involved in those spaces. Um, But also I get comments from a lot of different types of people. So like a nice chunk of my comments are folks who are younger than me. I'm 26, so under 26, so college or um, high school, sometimes middle schoolers, which I'm like, hello, (laughs) is this allowed? Um, But they've gotten excited about the prospect of planning or becoming planners themselves. And some of the people who interact with my videos are older than me. And while they're not necessarily seeking a career shift, um, for a number of reasons, they're interested in becoming more involved in the communities that they belong to. So there's like a, a spectrum, um, of interest and like ability and access, but overall just showing people that city planning isn't something that just happens. Um, passively and that they can be involved in that process however they would like to be and shaping the look and feel of their communities um, is, is a win for me and why I primarily post on TikTok as opposed to like other platforms.
2: I really love just the, the kind of comment you had made about, you know, accessibility and making sure that folks really understand that city planning doesn't like you said like it doesn't just happen there are a lot of processes that are involved and individuals particularly when it comes to public engagement have the opportunity to be involved in in that process and i think it is really important to kind of raise awareness to that type of engagement because i think often when sam and i have talked to people or you know when we hear from others the community often doesn't know that they even have the opportunity to be involved in these kind of, you know, planning processes. And so I think that's really, I, I that's why I appreciate social media in a lot of ways. I think, you know, there are, of course, challenges, but I do believe that social media just offers another platform to engage a different population that may not be aware of kind of the resources that are available or the opportunities for them to, you know, to make a difference in their communities. So I think that's really great. And Sam and I were kind of interested in understanding how you feel about being able to kind of condense such large topics, you know, where like urban planning, it's quite complex. And I think when Sam and I were talking about the opportunity for us to kind of fill in a gap of, of information needs, we chose the podcast because we felt that, you know, we would have about 45 minutes to an hour to really talk about some complex issues but also we do use social media to kind of get these you know short format um content posts and kind of you know videos and stuff but we're interested because you use TikTok, you know, quite regularly. How you feel about being able to condense these kinds of topics into, you know, shorter videos that are hopefully trying, you know, hopefully able to catch somebody's attention.
1: I I love it. Um uh so like in addition to just trying to spark an interest for someone else, I also see it as a way to keep honing in and practicing my own skills in my current role at my company, I do a lot of community engagement, which is one of the best parts of my job, one of my favorite parts of my job, and frankly, one of the key reasons um, why I decided to pursue planning. And so I I don't know about you guys, but I have very clear memories of being in grad school and hearing like, well, when you're doing engagement, you have to meet the people where they are. Mm -hmm. And so for like anyone who's not a planner listening to this podcast, that means a few things. Um, At its base, it's like making opportunities for the community to share their feedback, their opinions, their perspectives as easy as possible, as accessible as possible. So for example, that would be like, you're throwing an event, you're trying to get 50 people to show up to your event, you should have free food, you should have free uh, childcare, you should get rid of all of the unnecessary planning jargon from your PowerPoint because um, it's not necessary. And so essentially, the point is you're trying to remove as many barriers as possible for someone to be able to participate. And so, for me, these videos help me stay in that mindset of how can I take an idea that may seem really complex and make it and somehow make it about everyday things that non planners can relate to. And so, um, for example, in one of my videos, i say like, um, I asked, did you peak in college? And I would never say that someone <laughs> peaked in college <laughs> cause that's, that's kind of rude, <laughs> but like we understand what that means. We understand the running joke of like to peak in college. Um, but it's not really about for, at least in this context, it's not really about missing college. It's about, um, you may miss college because it was your first and your last time being in a walkable place. Mm-hmm. And so that means like, you're no longer in close proximity to your friends. You can't like walk to go pick up something to eat. You're not walking to the park. You're not walking to work. Like you have to get in your car every time you're trying to do anything, um, which is like the point that I was driving home in that video. And so this exercise of making these connections in these videos is, of course, one, I want to catch your attention. Um, but also, I want you to immediately understand what I'm saying and how it impacts you as an individual. And so I enjoy this exercise because it rem- it reminds me to meet people where they are online. And when I'm doing my work in person, um, from my nine to five, so it's just like, you have to go, you have to meet them where they are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um I totally feel that with it's so funny because I went to school in Santa Barbara, which is, you know, kind of a small college town and everyone rode their bikes everywhere at, like where people live within Santa Barbara like when we're going to school there is like a 1 square mile like little town that all your friends, all the stores, like campus student health, like everything that you need is like within like pretty much a half an hour walk at the longest. And so I totally like feel that way about moving to LA and having like such a big city and, you know, county and being, you know, pretty far, I live like not not that far from USC, but it's definitely a commute. And so
2: I feel that really
0: really strongly. Yeah.
2: I think it's important to just like highlighting the way that content is able to highlight how we can be relatable in a way that people are easily able to digest and understand that these topics are not necessarily complex. They're, they're basically just what's impacting you on a regular basis. And then the foundation is that you know these stem from urban planning challenges and so i think that's really amazing and it's it's important and i think i i loved watching your tiktok videos cuz i was <laughs> i was watching them and i was like wow this is as relatable as it could get just in terms of like our lived experiences are all very similar and i think that often people don't necessarily see you know from the lens obviously of an urban planning practitioner But they can see it from the lens of a lived experience and so i think that's really that's great that you're able to highlight that in your videos
1: oh thanks so much
2: and i mean i do think that
0: thinking about the ways in which community outreach and community engagement are kind of shifting i think it is really important that like we as practitioners do stay involved and stay up to date with like how young people are getting information. Cause you know, I think in the past, you know, Facebook, you know, posting to Facebook has been like a part of a lot of public sector planning or governments where it's like, okay, we're going to put this ad out on Facebook and hopefully people fill out our survey or, you know, we get people to RSVP for this event. And it's like, this, the media cycle now is so fast paced. That's like, we have to be staying to, up to date with how people are going to best receive information. And I think that it, as much as like, I have a love hate relationship with social media, like personally, I think that it is increasingly going to become important yeah. for planners and planning practitioners to kind of engage, make sure that information is being like seen and understood in a way that is accessible to people, making sure that people know like lived experience in planning spaces is just as if not more, and I I wanna say more important than a formal planning degree, particularly when you are engaging as a community member. Like obviously there's a lot of great things that are taught in a planning program but the bulk of you know why we do community outreach is because we might not be living and experiencing the spaces of these communities in the same way that they are. So making sure, and I think that you do such a good job of this, of like, we are all having these collective experiences, but like everyone's are different. And so how can you as an individual make your voice heard in these spaces as someone who like experiences like living in a community that like, maybe I'm not particularly in like big cities like New York and LA, where my experience living in West LA is probably very different from someone living, you know, even like a couple miles, you know, East. Um, So yeah, I think that, that, I think it's just becoming increasingly important. And so, you know, staying on top of that is, (laughs) as much as I hate to say it, very important.
1: Absolutely. I think you'd be surprised to see how creative community engagement has or is becoming. I mean, when I was in grad school, I never thought that like, oh, when I get my my job in New York, I'll be using VR headsets to like help people envision Mm -hmm. what these designs will look like in person. And then they can tell me how it looks and feels as opposed to like what this 2D image uh, looks like in this moment, instead of like being able to like put the set on and look around and like you talk to me as you're looking at, you know, as you're digesting what you're seeing Um, it's getting really creative and um, obviously, or maybe not, obviously a lot of young, younger people are kind of more drawn to these um more innovative forms of engagement as opposed to like I'm showing up at your front door will you open (laughs) and say a few words (laughs) um but yeah it's times change quickly um and I think as planners as practitioners it's like our job to stay on top of whatever the whatever the trend is and just making sure you're getting like a very diverse set of feedback from younger people older people different backgrounds etc so yeah Yeah.
2: that's amazing and we just want to thank you so much for chatting with us and sharing all of your insights and your experiences um and we always like at the end of the episode to offer an opportunity if you do have any organizations that you would like to share with our listeners that you think they could either benefit from whether it be information or activism you can go ahead and plug them in here
1: Cool. Yeah. Um, there's a few orgs that I follow closely. So one who's like New York, uh, Metro specific is the AP, sorry, the American planning association, uh, the New York Metro chapter, they have a diversity committee. They're called, um, dive, DiveCon. I think it's D I V C O M M. Um, they do a lot of great work locally. And then for folks who aren't based in New York, but of course they'll want some orgs to check out. Um, the Black Space Urbanist Collective, Mm -hmm. and also the Congress for the New Urbanism.
2: Those are amazing. Yeah, I have, I've heard about um, the, I think it's the Black Urbanist Collective, is that what you said?
1: Yeah, Black Space Urbanist Collective. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I think I've seen, uh, I believe I saw them on Instagram. So that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And again, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it.
1: No, no. Thanks for
0: having me. It's been a joy. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode of Urban Planning is Not Boring. If you did, please remember to send us to your friends and follow us uh, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And remember, guys, urban planning is not boring. No, it is not.